Welcome to another edition of Queued Up. It is Monday, May 29th, 2023. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. Quinton Pelzel with you on Queued Up, taking you for the next 20 minutes or so. So happy to be here on this beautiful Memorial Day. Hopefully you're out enjoying the sunshine with some friends or family, maybe cooking up some burgers, ribs on a barbecue. And uh, it's important also to remember those who have fought on a day like today, all the men and women who have served our country. Uh, They are the real heroes and they are the reasons why we're able to do what we are doing today and really every other day. So um, we thank you so much. Everyone does. And really, one day doesn't do it in terms of recognition for these men and women. It really should be every day because without them, nothing is possible. We're not able to do anything in our country. We don't have freedom. And um, it really would be a lot different without the sacrifices that those men and women made. So on a day like today, we especially remember those folks who gave the ultimate sacrifice. So with that being said, they did give the ultimate sacrifice. So people like me are able to go out and do what I do enjoy doing, and that is talking about sports. And it is a very big Monday. We got a game seven between the Heat and the Celtics. A berth to the NBA Finals is on the line. Also going to talk about some Mets and Yankees. How about Francisco Alvarez? Just absolutely fantastic. The Yankees have won seven of their last ten games. And I'll talk more about who's returning for them. Also, Garrett Cole over his last seven games not pitching well. But the good news is the Yankees are getting some of their key players back um, within the next week or so. But first things first, Heat Celtics. How about that game six? It was a couple days ago at this point, but one of the craziest endings that I have ever seen. Uh, Marcus Smart with a missed three. It, it goes right to Derek White, who tips in the rebound. It looked like at first in real time, Derek White did not get it off. Kevin Harlan, the announcer on TNT, didn't think so in real time. And then upon further review, he got it off with 0.2 or 0.1 seconds on the clock. Seriously, one of the best endings ever, especially if you're a Celtics fan. If you're someone who's rooting against the Celtics, though, like me, that was obviously very devastating just because now it solidifies the Celtics being in the NBA Finals, in my opinion. I mean, the Celtics and the Nuggets, that's what it's going to be in the NBA Finals. And I actually misspoke in my last podcast. I thought that by today, we were going to have a final decision on who was going to be in. It was going to be Celtics or was it going to be Heat? Because I thought Game 7 would have been played yesterday, but my days were all mixed up. So now Game 7 is tonight in Boston, and it just sucks because it's inevitable at this point. And I should have known before. It's a Boston team. The Red Sox did it before in 03 or 04 against the Yankees, and now the Celtics will be the first team in NBA history to come back from 3-0 down. Just absolutely, I mean, how, like, really? Do we have to have another Boston team do this? And now I have to hear about this for the rest of time, how they have come back from 3-0 down, the only team in NBA history. How great are they? I mean, come on. And you know what? The only way that I would not hear the end of it is if the Nuggets go in and they beat the Celtics. Then I will be the biggest Nugget fan there is. My Jokic jersey will be on pre-order, especially for after this game. I will 
fly it over here, one day shipping from Amazon. I will be the biggest Nuggets fan there is with Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Christian Braun, the rest of that team. Because I've pretty much already baked in the Celtics winning this game tonight. It's in Boston. How can they lose? Can you imagine, though, if they do lose this game to the Miami Heat? And by the way, the Heat are talking up a big game. If you've heard if you've heard any of their interviews, if you've heard what's been on social media, you would think the Heat are going are a lock to win this game. Spolstra right after said that he can't wait to tip off, and he virtually guaranteed a win game seven. Same thing with Jimmy Butler. Butler said he was going to win game seven. Spolstra kind of implied it, but Jimmy Butler went the extra mile and said that they were going to win. And now over the past couple hours, it has come out that the Heat are planning on taking the flight to Denver right after the game in Boston tonight. So, and I don't know how that works generally, what teams do when they're in these types of situations. Like, what what are the Celtics doing? I mean, they've got to have a flight planned for going to Denver right after the game. So, I don't, I don't know. I think... People are making this too big of a story on social media, but the fact of the matter is it is out there and people are making it a story and it's making the heat look really bad, especially if they lose the game. Now you never want to put your chickens in a row. You know, you don't want to count your ducks before they've hatched. And I think it's kind of, it's kind of the touching the money situation right now with the heat. I think there's just too much out there. There's too much chalkboard material for the Celtics team as if they needed even more. They're in Boston in front of their fans. They have all the momentum right now. They're out to basically put the heat down and the heat come out and they do all these shenanigans. I mean, come on. Celtics are easily going to win this game. I don't think it's really going to be particularly close. If you look back to that game six, the reason why it was close in Miami was because Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they were horrible. They were absolutely terrible. The Heat three-point shooters were great. Caleb Martin, he is generally coming off the bench, but he actually started that game and played really well. Max Struess also hit some threes. Duncan Robinson, yeah, he made some threes, but Spolstra left him out there for way too long. He missed two wide-open threes, which those are shots that he makes in his sleep. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA, and that's why the Heat gave him $80 million dollars to make threes, and he did not do that. It was so frustrating because it's not like he went out of his way and shot you know, a three off his back foot. No. I mean, he was wide open. He missed one. He actually dribbled the basketball, licked his finger, checked the air, and then shot it. The Celtics still didn't run out on him to try and chase him off the three-point line, and he missed it, clanked it off the back rim, And then a couple possessions later, he came down in transition, a shot that he has made numerous times in the NBA regular season, missed that one too, just clanked it. Those were, and those were, those would be two humongous shots, two shots to give the Heat the lead in the final minutes of the game, and he missed them. The Heat, when looking back at it, should have won the game. I mean, even with Robinson missing those threes, Jimmy Butler at the line, I know he wasn't good in game six. He was okay. A lot of people want to say, oh, he was terrible in game six because he was so inefficient. He shot like six to 24. Yeah, sure, he he did, but he still ended up with 24 points. Four more points than shots he took. 
Generally, if you look at a box score, if a player has more points than shots taken, that's a pretty good game. And Jimmy Butler did that, including three massive free throws at the end of the game to give the Heat the lead. Then the Heat, or then the Celtics get 0.9 seconds added onto the clock. I still don't have an explanation for that at all. It happened sometime in between Jimmy Butler's last free throw and then the Celtics inbound play. You can clearly see on the TNT broadcast that there was 2.1 seconds on the clock and then all of a sudden there was three seconds on the clock and of course every millisecond counts because Derek White ended up tipping the ball in with 0.2 seconds on the clock and you know what every second matters every half second matters every millisecond matters and they gave the Celtics a chance and by the way Marcus Smart's three, his fadeaway three off the inbound. I thought that was going in. I mean, how did that shot not go in? But fortunately for the Celtics, it didn't. Derek White was there. The Heat not boxing out. And it's kind of surprising to see how the Heat just could not zero in on the details. You know, boxing out, getting the rebound, something that they did so well in their first series against the Bucks and then against the Knicks. And you thought rebounding really wasn't going to be a problem, especially when you have Bam Adebayo, who was virtually non-existent in Game 6. I'm expecting a little bit more from him in Game 7. But this is a team that is tidied up on the fundamentals. They box out. They do all the little things. And they did not do it on that play. I mean, if you take a look at that last second play, Derek White got the rebound, but Jason Tatum was also there. I mean, he was he was ready if that ball went to the right side instead of the left. Jason Tatum would have dunked it. I mean, there was no one on Tatum, no one on Derek White either. I don't know what the Heat were doing. They must have thought that Marcus Smart shot it with too little time left on the clock, but that's inexcusable. I mean, Eric Spolstra has got to be kicking himself watching that final play, seeing all the Heat players just standing around. I mean, the Celtics, the Celtics players are crashing the boards, and the Heat are just standing there. He deserved to lose that game, and they did. So I think the game plan now for both of these teams in Game 7, get out on the three-point shooters. I think you'll live with Jimmy Butler shooting 35 points or shooting for 35 points or 40 points or Bam Adebayo getting 20, 25 points, but you cannot allow Caleb Martin, Max Struess, and Kevin Love, the rest of the three-point shooters on this team, to go off. Same thing with the Celtics. I mean, if you're the Heat, you cannot let Derek White score 20 points because those 20 points are huge killers. Marcus Smart, and I've never gotten the amount of criticism that Marcus Smart has been getting. I just don't get it. I really don't. Celtics fans hate Marcus Smart, but I feel like every single time I watch him play, he is either making a clutch shot or getting a clutch defensive lockdown play against one of the other team's best players. He's that good. I think he's really good. And I just never gotten why the amount of crit- the he gets that amount of criticism from Celtics fans. I mean, whenever you ask Celtics fans, you know, what's wrong with the Celtics team, it's either one or number two. Marcus Smart has got to go. He, I can't stand him. He drives me crazy. But I mean Smart Smart is the heart of this team. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are the stars, but the real heart of this team is Marcus Smart. And he has he does so many things too that you don't see on the box score. He gets in the other team's head. He does all the little things. 
I was just talking about the Heat not doing all the little things in Game 6. Marcus Smart does. You know, you can never question his heart. You can never question his motor, his effort. And, I mean, I would have, if I was a coach, I would love to have five Marcus Smarts on my team. If I had five Marcus Smarts on my team, we would win a lot of games. And he's a winner. So it should be a really good game tonight. Game 7, I believe it is on TNT. I can check. Yes, it is on TNT. Boston, uh, seven and a half point favorites at home. They were favorites on the road in Miami uh, as well in game six. I think the Celtics have been favored in every game except for one. The books not buying the Heat, trying to knock off the Celtics. And if the Heat do knock off the Celtics tonight, I would be absolutely surprised. Injuries for tonight, Gabe Vincent, he is a game-time decision just like he was in Game 6. He was he was pretty good in Game 6, not terrible. Um, and then for the Celtics, Danilo Gallinari, he is out. They've been without him for the entire series, so not really any surprise there. So Game 7 tonight, 8.30, I'll certainly be watching it, and it should be a really good game. Moving on now to some baseball as we enter the second half of this podcast little past halfway actually in this podcast so I'm going to spend a few minutes on each the Mets and the Yankees and then wrap this up here on this Memorial Day Monday now I'm going to transition over to baseball and the Mets very disappointing weekend for them they lose two out of three against the Rockies they do have a little bit of a pulse though I think if you're a Mets fan you're looking at this Rockies series yes it was very frustrating very disappointing that they lost two out of three but they scored runs, and the rookies are finally starting to play. We're seeing Beatty, Vientos, Alvarez, and how about Alvarez? I mean, Alvarez is an absolute stud right now. Can you imagine if Tomas Nito and Omar Narvaez did not get hurt? Alvarez would still be down in AAA, and they'd be without all of that production. He's batting almost 300, has eight home runs, has over 20 RBIs. He's been fantastic, especially behind the plate, too. I mean, who would have thought... That Francisco Alvarez, before this huge outburst that he had over the weekend, was going to be a better defensive guy than offensive guy. And he's a pretty dang good offensive guy, too. But we didn't hear anything about his glove or his throwing arm down in the minor leagues. But now he comes up here. He is a analytic darling with everyone around Major League Baseball. He steals so many strikes. He's one of the best catchers at doing that in baseball. And then, of course, over the weekend, he hits like three home runs. He now has eight home runs. It's just, it's unbelievable what he has been doing. And he's only 21 years old. He provides a spark to this team. He plays every day, too. Buck is finally starting to see what we are all seeing as Mets fans. It's that they are a better team with him in the lineup and not Tomas Nito, you know? And if Nito and Narvaez didn't get hurt, he would not be up here. In the major leagues, he would still be down in AAA, probably have 15 home runs. All of those home runs would be wasted, and we wouldn't have that production that he had. Now, I like Nito as a backup guy, and Narvaez, we really haven't seen too much of him, but he was doing all right. But it's nowhere near what Francisco Alvarez has been doing, and I talked about it on my last podcast on Friday, a few days ago. There is no way Alvarez is getting sent down to AAA, so... If you hear this at all over the next week or so until Narvaez comes back, just dismiss it because they have no clue what they're talking about. Alvarez will not, will not be sent down 
to AAA. He is the everyday catcher. He will be here for the entire season as long as he stays healthy. Knock on wood. If he stays healthy, he will be in that lineup two out of three games. Every series, he'll be there. No doubt about it. The Mets are probably just going to have to shoulder the load of three catches on their team and get rid of Vogelback, or they're going to have to get rid of one of the catchers. And because Epler brought in Narvaez, I would say Narvaez will stay, especially because he is a lefty. You can always platoon them, even though there are more righties than lefties that you'll see over the course of a regular season. So Alvarez should and will get more of those reps, but it makes it a lot easier to sit Alvarez on a day where he's been playing three or four straight games and there's a tough righty on the mound. You put Narvaez in there, there you go. I would not mind seeing Nito being cut either. Um, either way, Alvarez needs to stay on this team. You know, with either solution, Alvarez is on this team. I don't care if they cut Vogelback, if they cut Nito, even if they get rid of Narvaez. I don't really care because Alvarez is going to be on this team and he's going to be playing. The only benefit you get with cutting Vogelback and keeping three catchers on the team is that you can give Alvarez a day off from behind the plate but keep his bat in the lineup as a DH. So I think that is pretty appealing to the Mets, and I would be... Uh, pretty. I'm in. I'm intrigued to see what they will do once Narvaez comes back. I would say Vogelback is gone. Vogelback hasn't played the last couple games. Uh, Vientos has been in there, and granted, Vientos has not been good, but it's just it's just different seeing Vientos in the lineup. And I think the Mets fans will live with Vientos' early season struggles over Vogelback's struggles overall right now. So even though it was a disappointing series against the Rockies, and the Mets are not playing today on Memorial Day, which is really frustrating. Um, You know, holiday, during the summer, it's an official start of summer, but still, how are the Mets not playing on Memorial Day? Come on, that's crazy. The Yankees are, they're playing in Seattle, and they're seven games back in the AL East, 32-23. and They've won seven of their last 10 games, so they keep quietly chugging along. I feel like... We really haven't talked about the Yankees too much, and it's just because they've been minding their own business and winning games. Garrett Cole struggled yesterday over the last couple games. He has been struggling his last seven, actually. Uh, he has an ERA close to five during that stretch, and he's still 2-0. and So the Yankees have been bailing him out. They're also going to be getting some mercenaries back. Giancarlo Stanton will come back within the next week as well as Jose Trevino, so they'll get him behind the plate. Tommy Canely will be ready to go within the next week, so the Yankees getting a lot of players back. Josh Donaldson, oh, Josh Donaldson, how can I forget about him? He's going to be inserted right into the everyday third base spot. I'm sure Yankee fans are very happy about that. Not, He's not quite as bad as Vogelback, but you can kind of compare those two, Vogelback and Josh Donaldson, with the amount of hatred for the Mets and the Yankees. It's it's equivalent. I mean, Mets fans hate Vogelback as much as Yankee fans hate Josh Donaldson. They do not want to see him in the lineup because right now the Yankees are playing pretty well. And uh, they're, they're playing good baseball. They're scoring runs. And now you insert Josh Donaldson to third base. You now move LeMahieu and maybe you take Torres out of the lineup. Um, It just shuffles a lot of things around, and the Yankees have a good mojo right now, and I don't think Yankee fans want to ruin that mojo. But we'll see what they end up doing. Boone has said that he will be the everyday third baseman 
So got to take him at his word until he doesn't do what he says. But we'll see. Good news for the Yankees is that they are playing good baseball. Bad news is that they are in a tough division. More good news is that they are getting players back. That'll do it for me on this Monday Memorial Day podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, we are remembering the men and women who have served our country on this day. Don't lose sight about that. That is why you're off today. That is why we're able to have a barbecue, hang with friends, go to the beach today because of those people. So thank you so much. I will be back towards the end of the week to recap the happenings in the world of sports. And until then, take care and enjoy the week.